HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. It's HRN's 10th anniversary and now our summer fun drive. So show your support for independent, revolutionary, entertaining food radio by becoming a monthly recurring donor. HRN is powered by a passionate community of thoughtful eaters, and we need each and every one of you to show your support so that we can keep bringing you your favorite food podcasts. It takes a village, and every dollar donated, every listener tuning in is essential to our continued success. So set up a donation for $10 every month. You'll show us that you want to be a part of a bright future for HRN. And you'll get one of our brand new limited edition Pizza Pocket t-shirts. So snag your new favorite tea and show us some love. All for the price of about two fancy lattes each month. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate today. And thank you. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from our studio at Robertus in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is, what is uh, beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is too mystery for many people, so I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. My guest today is Justin Potts, who has lived in Japan for the last 15 years, working on various projects to connect different communities, from rural to global, with the power of Japanese traditional food culture. And he is also a Krabito, a sake brewery worker, and a co-host of Sake and Shochu Specialized Podcast, which is exciting, uh, Sake on Air as well. So today we'll discuss how Justin got involved in Japanese culture, his fascinating activities to promote Japanese food culture and to empower different communities, his podcast about sake and shochu, and much, much more. 
but quickly before we start, Japan News is available on Heritage Radio Network website as well as on iTunes, Stitch and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitch and Spotify and subscribe to Japan News. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Also, if you have ideas about topics of the show or show guests, please let us know. You can email us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org or akikokatema.com. Now, let's start our conversation with Justin Potts. Hello, Justin. Welcome. Hey, good morning. So, um, Jamie Graves, who came here uh, yeah. two episodes ago, two, three, a couple episodes ago, uh, he very highly spoke of you. <laughs> you're this amazing person, and also your incredible, perfect Japanese skills and the knowledge of Japanese culture. So yeah, I, I, I can't really vouch for any of that. I have no idea, but yeah, Jamie's a great gentleman. I saw I saw I just saw him yesterday. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, so you're from Seattle, um, but you have lived in Japan now for 15 years. So and your resume says you help to develop new city to rural rural to international projects centered around food, agriculture, travel, travel community, and uh, value creation around the traditional food and culture. So we have so much to talk about today. Um, so but first of all, wha- where are you from? And um, um, you're, you're from Seattle, but uh, wha- why did you go to Japan in the first, first place? Yeah, so originally, so I grew up uh, just outside of Seattle and I went to uh, university at Washington State University over in Eastern Washington, over by Idaho over there. And uh, at the time, honestly, I had no particular interest or reason to go to Japan, but I got the travel, I kind of caught the travel bug and I just wanted to travel. Mm. And that was it. And I wanted to study abroad and pretty much anywhere was okay. Um, but I was <laughs> really, really late in applying and, and I went and said, I want to go somewhere. And they told me, Justin, you're too late. You can't go anywhere. I said, come on, there's got to be some place. They said, we might be able to send you to this place in Osaka. I said, Osaka, I think I've heard of it. I'll take it. Mm. Sign me up. And that was it. And so I had about four months in Osaka. And I assumed I would never come back. I, wow. I, I, would, I would be there for three, four months. And I would come home. And that would be the end of it. And 15 years later, and a bit of back and forth. And my whole life kind of ended up there. That's the, the, the short the version, version. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it sounds familiar. This is like me spending a couple yeah. months in New York, but this doesn't yeah. happen. So, wow. So, uh, well, thank you for late application. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Japan got this huge benefit out of it. So, um, and I heard it was also heard that you had some digestive issues and Japanese culture yeah. helped you. Yeah, unexpectedly. That was sort of an interesting um, discovery in my spending time in Japan. And so growing up from about elementary school all the way through university, I just had a lot of sort of digestive uh, intestinal problems and things like that. And I would be hospitalized pretty much once a year um, for one re- for something. And every time they'd run all kinds of tests and all these things on me and nobody could really tell me what it was. I mean, it was just incredibly painful and just really, really terrible. Um, and I just, I had kind of come to terms with, well, this is something I'm just going to have to live with or deal with. Um, and but then as a result of that and sort of in my early mid-twenties I started using my body as sort of my own test subject under different types of <laughs> putting it under stress tests of different types of diets and things like that um, and nothing really clicked and I, I went extreme vegan I went you know meat protein heavy mm. diets I went I tried just all kinds of different things um, but then going to Japan and spending three four months and just committing myself to eating quote-unquote Japanese food for lack of a in, in, mm. in, in loose terms I realized I just felt a heck of a lot better and I didn't know why but oh. I was feeling just generally a whole lot better day in and day out um, and I said gosh there's got to be something to this mm. um, and so that was sort of the the first step into um, 
uh, sort of generating interest in sort of what is it in this Japanese food and Japanese well, cuisine、I'm, that might be. Yeah, I'm sure that a lot of listeners like, what is it? What、yeah. do you think at the core of a,、yeah. it's a secret magic?、Yeah. Um, and、uh, honestly, I don't know what it is. I haven't, I haven't gone in and de- gotten the actual numbers or done the, you know, the, you know, tested my body under, you know,、um, in, in science, on any sort of scientific、um, level or anything.、Um, mm. But the one thing that I started realizing where I started feeling exceptionally better、um, was when I started、um, spending more time in rural parts of Japan, spending more time with farmers,、um, and getting more acquainted with a lot of fermented foods、mm. um, miso, soy sauce, vinegars. Um, koji and koji related、um, products and things of that nature.、Um, and those things just became more integrated into my、mm. diet、um, naturally. And that was at that point when, I started, when that started becoming more part of my life, I realized I started feeling exceptionally better. So I was going, wow. Mm. I, 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 can't, I can't prove that this is you know, the, the root cause or anything, but、um, that is.、Um, That, that is one discovery that has sort of、right. resonated with me. So, that that your microbiome converted in three months. This kind of sounds like a right time frame, right? Three months, yeah. people say. Yeah, I think so. I think so.、Um, and so, yeah, originally when I was, I mean, when I was first in Japan, I was in Osaka and around Kansai, I was traveling. And I was young, I was a college student. So, I can't say I was eating proper food by any <laughs> means. So, the, the term Japanese cuisine or Japanese food is in, in very loose terms. You know,、right. all, all you can eat yakiniku and things like that、right. were on the list, you know. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, there's a BQ gourmet.、Like、yeah, exactly. There can be junky stuff too.、Exactly. Something very pure, purified、exactly. version. And also, I think rice is gluten free, which may be a big it part is. of it. That could be a part of it. And I've sort of explored that a little bit and experimented a bit with taking gluten in and out of my diet. And it's, it's tough because some things seem to aggravate me more than others, while at the same time, sometimes I have no problem whatsoever. So it's, I, I don't think that's it necessarily.、Mm. So it's, but. I'm all for rice. Rice, right. is, rice and I, we get along pretty well. So,、mm, so this would be、uh, really, maybe you can just another episode all about your diet. Yeah, we can, we can、yeah. do that another day. I can, I can do a blog post or something. Right, well, I mean, what just happened,、uh, we've been just talking about a lot of koji stuff、yeah. lately. And、um, I really think it's a big part of the health effect on Japanese people living the longest, the second longest、yeah. in the world.、So. Absolutely. I think, and that's, that was kind of one of the things that really got me into food and wanted to dedicate my time and my energy to、um, the fermentation food culture in Japan.、Right. And, and that was not just the discovery of fermented foods, but koji related、mm-hmm. things specifically.、Mm-hmm. It's because when I was going around and visiting all these producers of just amazing, amazing products.、Um, That are, of course, delicious、mm. and, and taste wonderful, but also, I don't, there's, when you taste something that resonates with your body in、mm. a very real, positive way, it's not just something on the palate, it's something where you, know, you can tell from the inside.、Mm. It, really, it really resonates. You go, wow, I'm, this is putting me in a good place. There's something really proper、mm. about this. And when I started, You know, digging into that, going, what is, what is the through line with all these things?、Um, and yes, it was fermentation, but it was also koji.、Mm. And in looking at it, it was like, why is nobody talking about this? Where does this? It was kind of before, about 10 years ago or so, there was kind of a big shio koji and kind of amazake、mm. you know, explosion in Japan where you started seeing、uh, more awareness around some of those things. But even at the time, even in Japanese, you could hop on Google and search and you just couldn't find a lot of good information.、Mm. I was like, how is it that everybody. Has you know,、mm-hmm. you know, miso and soy sauce and all these things in their cabinet 
you know, in their, Interesting. you know, and e- even, you know, overseas, you know, a lot of people have them, whether or not they use them or fully understand them is, mm. you know, a different, is a different conversation, but they're there. That's, you know, it's something that um, people have familiarity with. Right. And Koji is tied to all these things. And how is it that nobody's even mm. talking about this? Well, that's so. the thing. Like, if you should take it for granted. You don't even question. Yeah. Right, so yep. it's just that's exactly my case, and yeah. I keep hearing like, "How do you make sake?" And I was like, yeah. explaining koji, like, mm, "What is yeah. it?" So yeah, and uh, you know, what well, I was gonna ask you this question yeah. at, at the end, but do you have koji workshops that you got? Yeah, right? so that's something where I'm kind of working on right now, putting together. I've done some of that. I do a little bit of that here and there, um, just in relation to sort of sake and fermented foods and things like that. Um, and so I do do Koji-related things occasionally. Um, I'm working on putting something together called uh, Koji Academia um, mm. together with a friend of mine. His name is uh, Nakaji. And he was a brewer at um, a place called Terada Honke out in Chiba, which they're kind of like the, I don't know, for people into wine, they're kind of like the radicon of like the sake world mm. they're with, you know, regards to natural processes and things like that. And he was there for about nine years or so. Um, okay. And then he is a big Koji instructor. Um, he's very focused on giving people the know-how and the skills to integrate it into their lives, mm. um, to be able to use it and work with it. And so we're working on putting kind of a program together um, that is um, educational as well as entertaining, uh, and then also providing Koji-specific or Koji-centric um, programs and tours um, kind of seasonally um, mm. for, for people that are interested, that are um, regionally based, that okay. are sort of integrated into the mm. um, local regions um, so that people, when they come out, they can... So the if I wanted to participate, yeah. is for the public? It can yeah, be anybody? absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So we're still kind of putting the pieces together. There, there's a website up that's incredibly vague um, with pretty pictures. Um, but yeah, you can send us a... Um, if you look on the Koji Academia... Um, uh, with a K and you can uh, okay. yeah, yeah if you just google that you can write on the contact form and it will mm. it will reach us and, we'll, and we can let you know what's yeah. going on but yeah I, I happen to get uh, spores okay. in a package yeah. I'm afraid to even open it because I don't know what to do with it <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe I will ask yeah, you <laughs> absolutely absolutely and then pretty soon there will be some some videos and stuff um, mm. coming we're kind of working on putting that together we, we originally we were wanting to do a big kind of an online school type of a program mm-hmm. which is what um, Nakaji who I'm working with what he already does in Japan okay he has an online school there for Japanese um, mm. um, and hundreds of members and people that are taking part in that um, but so then we're trying to figure that, out how we can translate that to an international uh, audience. So, okay. Well, it's, there's a demand. I, I know that. I think so. Right. So, so. so Nanakaji-san uh, actually is trying to re-educate or re-inspire Japanese people to learn about koji? Yep, exactly. Mm. Exactly. And, and he, did, works in the, he worked in sake for a long time, but he works with koji of all types and varieties and making miso and, and creating koji at home for specific purposes mm. so giving people the know-how and the confidence to be able to work with it um, and make the things that they want to make that are mm. useful and meaningful for them and so kind of taking all the all, all that scary stuff you know right. you know they say yeah, I have this packet of spores and I don't know mm. <laughs> you know what's gonna happen if I open this you know right. it's 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 not scary stuff so how do we make that approachable and then irrespective of where it is you live what sort of tools can you use and then for people who are having trouble mm. um, you know doing it at home sort of being able to um, assist with troubleshooting and things like that right. and, and so yeah so he's been doing that in Japan um, quite a bit and we travel together and do some things and so yeah we're trying to figure out what we can do just the two of us oh, um, wow. at least for the time being um, for um, 
the international market right. and people who、oh, are interested in that. Maybe you guys can、so、come back together and talk about that. That's what we're working on. So a, <laughs> the, if, if all goes well, we'll be back this way、um, in this autumn、um, really? for something. So yeah. Yeah. So,、right. if there's any interest, yeah, send, send us a message. We're happy to do,、um, to okay. do some workshops or some fun、oh, stuff. Oh, let's、yeah. discuss it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So,、um, the other thing you're doing、um, uh, is, of course, the, you are、uh, the Krabito. Yeah. But actually, before you get there, well, you, you, you went to college in Osaka, undergraduated, you started working, right? You did a little bunch of different things in the media. And, and yeah, I did a lot of different things. I was working, I worked in education for a while. I worked in like media localization, and、um, a lot of it at that time it was like、um, exporting stuff for the US market. So it was a lot of like、uh, video games, anime, things of that nature.、Mm. Um, and then I worked in sort of PR marketing for a lot of like.、Uh, Like international IT companies trying to get into Japan and just did a lot of different things、um, before I got into food and food related.、Mm, so, how did it happen?、Um, so, my, my now wife would be the short answer.、Um, <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah,、um, as, as with most things, yeah, she kind of yeah, inspired pretty much everything.、Um, and so, her family、um, ran a small、um, udon. Mm. Shop and bento shop、mm. um, where she grew up、um, in Kanagawa. But her dad is from Miyazaki. Her mother is from Aomori. So the two the distant ends and, of, of the island. Yeah. <laughs>、um, and so when we started dating and the things that she was cooking at home, she wasn't cooking you know, the Japanese food that you'd go out and get at the local izakaya. It was stuff that you know, her mom cooked or her dad cooked. And she grew up in the kitchen and working and doing all this.、Mm. And all the things I was tasting were amazing. And like, <laughs> why isn't this stuff on the menu? This is way better. I, I feel stupid going out and paying. You know,、mm. you know, $20, $30 for meals in Izakaya when this actually tastes a whole heck of a lot better. <laughs>、um, and so that was sort of the original、um, it, impetus, I guess you could say, for my renewed interest in Japanese food.、Um, and then it also sort of worked out that so her cousin is actually he's a very visionary, talented gentleman by the name of Hima Furuta.、Mm. Um, and he does a lot of really amazing work.、Um, In the realm of sort of what we're talking about and sort of developing new business、mm. um, together, in, a lot of it around food and a lot around agriculture、um, and connecting、um, producers and the people with local resources together、mm. with the tools、okay. um, and the know how in Tokyo、mm. um, as well as internationally. And so I ended up going、um, to work for him.、Mm. Um, and he opened a restaurant, it was probably about 10 years ago,、um, a place called Rapongi Noen, which translates to Rapongi Farm.、Mm. Um, and it was sort of one of the Pioneering sort of farm to table restaurants in Tokyo.、Um, well, Roppongi is really the middle part and the、yeah, center of the whole. Exactly.、Thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, for those who don't have sort of the point of reference for that, it's farm and Roppongi do not go together when you well, try to put those、like、two things together. Exactly. <laughs> it's a complete oxymoron. You can't even imagine how these things could coexist, but there was like a little like greenhouse out there and these things. And we would bring not just farmers, but sake brewers or fishermen and all these people who were using their food in the menu to the、yeah. restaurant. And they would stand up and talk and present their food, their ingredients. And we would do one day menus、um, mm. together with、um, the chef. And so all of a sudden, as I was working for him and his company,、um, doing a lot of、um, sort of Planning and development work、mm. and project work and education. I was also waiting tables at the restaurant in the evenings and all these things. And so I was having to learn about all of these、mm. ingredients and all these. And so I was meeting all the farmers and all of the producers. And I was in the position all of a sudden where I had to communicate what makes 
this food or these ingredients or these special. Right. Well, but, but the Hima-san, the, yeah. uh, he was motivated initially by maybe he had a contact with great farmers or just... Yeah, well, so he grew up and he was born in Nupongi as well too which is, which is again wow. not very good so, so yeah his his whole world was was tokyo was you know mm. the and these things and so um and yeah and just it was he started to get very much inspired in, in doing that um he got he was very much inspired by um those regional areas and the people out there and so um and there's just there were so many things happening um internationally or starting to happen internationally around food and sort of food awareness and things that just hadn't quite picked up in Japan yet or weren't in a very in a place or in a space that was interesting and entertaining and easily digestible and so mm. yeah um Roppongi no one sort of became um sort of a physical space that was sort of an extension of the other work that he was already mm. doing um and so yeah when I was in there um, working with him on a lot of those projects um I was um, I was again. I was waiting tables, and I was having to learn from all these, you know, um, producers about mm. what they're making and how that's tied to the region. All these things, and it's a given that I don't didn't know about those things. I'm, you know, I'm this um, young, you know, blonde white guy running around, you know, in <laughs> right. this in this restaurant, having to talk about why why is this you know crab from Fukui so special, or why is this you know mm. or whatever, why is these this squid from this place so wonderful, or and I realized that, and this sounds weird saying it but that a lot of Japanese people didn't know anything about the food they were eating mm. um, when, I, when I was in the position of having to share and communicate that and everything I was bringing to it was like wow I've never seen this or wow I've never had this oh I've heard of this but I didn't know what this was or mm. I was like wow all this stuff that is just absolutely amazing and delicious and makes me feel wonderful is completely lost on a lot of the population here and, mm. and that was a population that was coming to a place like Topangi to come and dine and spend money right. to do that and it was there's so many things to be done right. <laughs> and so it was kind of I, I was I was feeling that every single day it was very very apparent and so mm. um, the number of things that could be done or should be done all of a sudden you just start seeing all these things right. um, and so that was sort of my that's what kind of really then got me into mm. it and got me. well I, that's interesting you say that because I think uh, I think majority of the modern population in the Western world, including West Asian and Japan, but these like developed countries, supermarket yeah. is the only yep. entrance to food, yep. and then absolutely. you don't touch anything other than packaged ones. Yeah, absolutely. So, and yeah. also, Japan is highly regional. It is. It's very regional. But even if you go and visit now, you don't you don't <clears> notice <throat> that if you just go and you just get off a local train. Whether you got off the train at Niigata or Fukuoka or Nagoya. If you just stepped off the train and looked around, they all look the same, mm. you know, if, if just in and around the station. So right. if it's, it's just a casual visitor. You're not going to encounter that. You mm -hmm. have to take that extra step. You have to have some means of having somebody to be able to introduce you to mm. what's really available out there. And that just really wasn't integrated and hasn't been integrated into the type of um, travel and experiences and exploration mm. that sort of the Japanese tourism market, things like that. Um, catered to and so there's just all this stuff that was just being lost on, on right. so many people and so yeah it's interesting so I happened to go to um, um, sushi dinner by uh, the chef Watanabe-san from Teru Sushi okay. and he, he had some dinner here and uh, akauni like yeah. red sea urchin yeah I didn't I never tasted it yeah it's like uh, so smooth and slick and it's so dense yeah and uh, you don't need to you know use any chemicals to treat it because it's less uh, liquidate. Yeah. 
And I was like, oh, how did I not taste this yeah. one? Yeah, it's like those things really hidden yep. in Japanese food culture. And that's the beauty of visiting local areas. And a lot of people ask me, you know, are you going to go back to the States? Or do you have plans to go home or go anywhere else? I'm not against going anywhere else. I'm completely open to it. Um, but like I said, there's so many things left to be discovered mm. and to be shared. <laughs> right. And so every day, I'm, every day I learn something new. Mm. Every day, everywhere I'm going, somebody is showing me something or opening my eyes to something that I n- never would have encountered or I would mm. never have the opportunity to see or experience or learn about. And so just the stimuli in that sort of environment is just so fantastic. And so if I could get that somewhere else, I'm open to it. But mm. gosh, it's, it sure is... It, it's 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 not too bad out there. Right, yeah, too busy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> discovering every day. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, all those inputs that you have, probably, I would say, top five percent of the whole people living in Japan, you mm. probably know more than anybody else. And how do you, you know, you've done a lot of things. We're going to discuss more about those things. Mm. But what's your intention to express? Do you want to write a book or do videos <laughs> or like, you know, how do how do you, you yeah. do? Co- uh, try to connect communities, right? Yeah. So, what's your um, medium to do so, that? So, it's I always kick myself for not having started a blog like 15 years ago. Because mm. if I had if I had been more on more on the ball and done it back then, I, I probably <laughs> would have had a pretty a pretty nice um, platform of you mm. know uh, information that would that would be very helpful to probably a lot of people. But um, sadly, I didn't do that. Um, that's in your head, though. Yeah, it's it's in there. It's in there somewhere. Um, I mean, with regards, so I did I did some video series and things in the past. I'm looking into writing some books. I've had some offers for things in mm. that area. That's not the focus of my work. I'm more interested in um, helping sort of develop the projects and putting together. How can I put the people who are making incredible things together with the people who can help them communicate the mm. value and the nature uh, and what makes that so special and so that it can reach the people mm. that really need it and that are really looking for it and right. so um as it'll turn into sort of a long conversation i guess but it's yeah i mean up until especially over the last you know six or seven years um has been in a lot of sort of work connecting people who are working in local food and local agriculture local tourism a lot of it around food and local gastronomy together with um networks of people in Tokyo Mm. um, who have the skill sets and the know-how, whether it be marketing or IT or finance or these other things um, that have the passion and the energy and the resources Mm. to go and invest in a rural community that they can be a part of. Mm. Um, And so um, one of the, um, if I get into it real deep, it'll turn a long conversation, but it's called, a project called the Morning University of Madanochi. Yeah, I was just going to um, ask you. Yeah, that. and that's essentially what that was. Um, so, for those who don't know, Madanochi is kind of like the Wall Street area of mm. Tokyo, I guess. Um, nobody lives there. There are no residents there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have some of the most, um, you know, just intelligent, dedicated, you know, mm. passionate people who are very hardworking and have lots of resources mm. to make a whole lot happen. So you have, you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people all congregating in this in this area right around Tokyo Station every mm. single day. Um, but they're not communicating with one another and that seemed like a wasted opportunity. Mm. Um, so then together with um, 
uh, Mitsubishi uh, real estate. They wanted to help sort of figure out how to develop mm. new value in that area and bring mm. those well, human community. resources together. Okay. Exactly. Um, and so we started using, um, in the morning hours before anything was open and running, started using cafes and showrooms and, you know, office buildings that are, you know, offices um, that weren't being used during those times and basically turned the entire area mm. into a campus. And then a lot of the programs and classes that were a part of that were centered around um, sort of rural development um, and travel and food and agriculture and things like that. Mm. So it was, there were these long-term programs where we were bringing together um, people from specific regions together with groups of 30, 40 individuals mm. that all had an interest or a passion in learning more about that region or that specific topic. Um, and who wanted to invest their time and energy in that. So you get 40 people with, and these are the type of people who would wake up and be to mm, get to Tokyo at, at seven o'clock right? in the morning, you know, before going to work. Well, maybe and, getting avoided you know, by Russia or two. And that was, and that was the initial, <laughs> right? That's what everybody wants to avoid. So mm. that was, that was the, the initial sort of, um, that was a big plus there, but it was, um, and yeah, it just ended up being incredible because you would get these amazing, just talented, passionate groups of people together mm. that over a periods of three or four months would travel back and forth to these different regions and right. learn more about the people and what they're doing and working on. And and then when the, even when those classes were over, they would come up with projects and ideas that would then continue mm. um, for years and years and years. Um, and they would just gradually build up these communities. Nice. Um, and so it was, yeah, that was... A, yeah, and I, I saw the, on the website, it's, uh, it started in uh, 2009 in yeah. Tennessee and now it's yeah. still going strong yeah. and uh, already uh, 18,000 people graduated yeah yeah <laughs> and keep going still like new programs the programs are really interesting too from ours to um, of course like you know like local community um, products everything yeah. so it's beyond it's almost the opposite of what you exposed to during the Malnoche area during yeah, the day exactly uh, exactly and that, again that contrast is really was what really I think draw drew a lot of people to it and it mm. was and it was really and those people that are you know in their 30s and 40s and 50s now that have been you've been working they've sort of developed some of the developed their career and they want to invest more in something else they want another community outside of you know mm. work and um, these other places and so it was just a really and when you have a class like um, you know rural f- food development Niigata or something mm. like that mm. the people who gather together around that specific topic mm. it's just an amazing just fascinating group of people uh, and so just yeah a lot of really neat things happen um, mm. and happen so 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 you as a person you're part of the organizers it's a group who's really coordinate the programs and yeah and so yeah so the company that i work for it's called um umari i worked for before that i worked with um hima Mm. Um, and so that was they were the original designers and producers for mm. that um, for that project. And so we were, yeah, as far as planning and operation, developing programs and um, planning and organizing all that stuff. And so yeah, I was in there, yeah, organizing different programs and setting that up and mm. all that fun stuff. Right, so, yeah. that's exciting. Do <laughs> you still involved? Um, not so much right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of escaped the city. Oh. <laughs> um, out, um, as, as much as Tokyo is a wonderful place um, mm. I spent so much time in so many places that were not Tokyo and every time I was coming home to Tokyo I kept asking myself why did I why did, am I coming back here <laughs> mm. I mean Tokyo's great but it was um, yeah the, uh, the the countryside just had a whole lot more to offer as far as just sort of what I was looking for it was just a lot more fulfilling and so about uh, close to four years ago now we sort of escaped out to the peninsula right. just east of just Chiba. east of Tokyo out in Chiba yeah but Chiba is uh, fairly close right it's like it an is. hour 
Yeah, for better or for worse, I can be in Tokyo in 60 minutes.、Mm. You know, I can be in Maranochi in about 60 minutes if I have to. Right.、Um, for better or for worse. <laughs> But yeah, where we're at, it's all, it's all beaches and rice fields. So.、Mm, right. And you're a friend of、uh, Everett yeah.、Uh, yep. Brown, yeah, who yeah, came yeah, yeah, on the、yeah. show and talked about his activities. Oh, he did. Oh,、right? wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, I worked with Everett on a number of things.、Mm. Yeah. So, But he also does、uh, like a agri tourism. Yep. Yeah, to promote it, local Japanese culture. Yep, very much so. Very、mm. much so. Yeah, they have a wonderful place、it's、called、uh, Brown's Field、um, mm. out there in Chiba where they've, it's, yeah, agritourism and just, oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's、right. beautiful. Yeah, if anybody has a chance to go out there, I highly. Right, and highly he's an artist.、So、and he's a, yeah, photographer.、Successful. He does fantastic, fantastic work. So,、mm. yeah, you can look, you can look、um, Everett Brown up too if you're looking for、right. some. Um, amazing photos of Japan.、Mm, and, and Chiba、people. is a cool place. Chiba's great. <laughs> Chiba's great. Again, for better or worse, it's close to Tokyo,、mm-hmm. but it's the nice thing is that because there are so many people that over the last probably 15, 20 years have sort of made the shift out there who don't have to be in Tokyo every single day.、Mm. Well, let's take a quick break here then.、Uh, so when we come back, we'll talk about、uh, Justin's、uh, Kurabito experience and Sake on Air. That's a special、uh, themed podcast. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Coin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the well's natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Coin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit coin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Eats broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, and my guest today is Justin Potts, who has lived in Japan for the last 15 years, working on various projects to connect different communities from rural to global with the power of Japanese traditional food culture. So,、um, so let's talk about your experience as a、uh, Kravito. Okay. Right. So, you, worked,、uh, you have worked.、Um, Many years in the season at the Kadoizumi Sake Brewery in yeah, Chiba. Yeah, Kadoizumi for about three seasons. Okay.、Um, is also not a super long time. But、mm. um, yeah, about three full on seasons, yeah, living in and, yeah, so, and doing that. And is it related to another Koji inspired thing? Was it which、um, came first? So Koji was sort of the thing that inspired me originally,、um, and then sort of examining. What is the best means to communicate not just koji but the fermented foods and sort of all the things I was experiencing?、Mm. Sake kind of became, I was like, this is the ultimate tool for、mm. creating enjoyable, diverse experiences、mm. and sharing that with people. So, of course, yes, it's delicious, it's wonderful, I like it, but it's、um, together with sake, you can integrate it into so many different things. And there were so many things that just weren't being done in, done in the world of sake.、Mm. If you look at other Beverages and spirits and things like that, the different types of collaborations and events and you know, promotions and all the different things that people are doing, just none of it is happening in the world of sake. And there's so much diversity out there in it that just wasn't 
that people just didn't know about and mm. people didn't have the opportunity to experience. And so, um, yeah, I sort of, I had the chance to, I was lucky enough to um, meet a, several producers who were um, making sake that was not only incredible, um, but was sort of in line with sort of philosophies that weren't necessarily the, the ones that were coming to the forefront. And they were mm. making really incredible, delicious sake that just didn't fit within the paradigm of what a lot of the education and things like that were. And uh, so for me, it was a lot of this sake that wasn't quote unquote typical for lack of a better word was the type of stuff that would really resonate with mm. the international audience. Um, and Kido is me being one of them. And when I was trying stuff, I was like, why there's so many, there's just so many missed opportunities. Um, and so I started, I just wanted to get more involved in sake and started going out and visiting a lot more producers, mm. um, as sort of an extension of the work I was already doing. Um, and the more I learned, the more I studied, the more people I talked to, it was I just kind of got to the point where I started spending a whole lot of time talking about sake, mm. um, and started realizing that there was only so much I could understand and communicate if I was only gathering information mm. from people. Right. Um, and the best way to go about actually um, really being able to offer um, the type of information that um, not just consumers needed, but I think the brewers um, mm. needed was to actually go in and get my hands, get my hands dirty and go and do that. Right. Um, and so, and I spent about a year uh, in Milan doing work. Um, around Japanese food and cuisine and um, Japanese food culture, doing, you know, cooking classes and um, helping organize cooking classes and events and a lot of sake events and things like that. And so mm. I was talking about, it was back in 2015 when they had the, uh, the expo going mm. on there. Um, and so uh, we were working with a lot of restaurants and, and bars and things like that in the region. And, that must um, be really fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work, but I was, yeah, I was doing sake events a couple of at least two or three events pretty much every week for close to a year and so mm. after doing that for a year it was just kind of like I okay I, I need to step back from talking about it and I just got to go in and mm. dive in and so um I had the when I came back to um Japan after that it was just sort of the timing was good as if mm. I was going to get out of Tokyo it was kind of it was a, it was a nice sort of cutoff point where it's instead of returning to Tokyo could go somewhere else mm. um and <clears throat> I, the other reason I wanted to get involved with sake production is a lot of the, especially a lot of the smaller producers um, mm. that I was visiting um, and that were really inspiring to me. Um, a lot of them, how should I say? They don't necessarily, they're, they're, they're not in a very healthy business state. I guess you could say mm, mm, um, it's it's no I'm, I mean you've had a lot of sake people on the show it's probably no secret to a lot of the listeners that it's not the healthiest industry mm, I mean um, as the, the industry itself <coughs> by nature is healthy but the profitability yeah and exactly the, right so exactly the, um, and so business concern is not ongoing business exactly concern. yeah and sort of the communication and sort of what needs to be done um, and so a lot of these smaller producers they just don't have the resources. Um, and the opportunities to go out and learn and understand about what what could be done potentially. And so if I was going to go in and learn, work and make sake, I didn't want to just know how to make sake for the skill of knowing how to do it. Mm. Um, I wanted to be in a position where I could um, 
be making sake, but also understand sort of the inner workings of the challenges, the challenges that those breweries are facing mm-hmm. um, on a business level, on an operational level, on a communication level. So what is it like to have to be, you know, in a team of four or five people making sake from, you know, 5, 6 a.m. until, you know, 6, 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. every day, seven days a week. Um, and then for, you know, five, six months straight and then having to also figure out, okay, how are we going to survive at the right. same time? How are we going to, what product are we going to make? Who are we going to make it for? And all these things. And so it was easy for me from the outside mm. as an outsider for a long time saying, hey, you should do this or you should do that. Um, it's easy as an outsider to do that <laughs> once you're on the inside mm. um, and you actually have um, experience and you can sort of experience the challenges that those people are up against right. um, and sort of, uh, and all that. I wanted, by going on the inside, hopefully my goal is to then be able to say, be able to step back and say, you know, what if you were to do something like this or something like this or something like this, and then maybe we can make a product like this or do something like mm-hmm. this for these people. Or what if you did something together with, you know, this other place locally, or um, what if we did something with these other restaurants here in the area or, you know, to make those proposals is one thing, but mm-hmm. then to also then be able to step back and say, I understand why that's challenging mm-hmm. and I see how busy you are here and here and here, but then be able to offer proposals that are more mm-hmm. concrete. Is it, so you are doing that now, but what if we were to shift it around so that, you know, we had somebody, you know, doing this at this time? And what if we didn't invest so much time and energy in doing mm. this and we had more, you know, you're able to make much more concrete right. um, yeah, if we, if suggestions. Yeah, if you're too busy, you can't even think of reorganizing yep. to make it because you're so occupied. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And a lot of the small producers now, they're what they refer to as like kuramoto toji. And so they're, mm. they're responsible for the production. Um, of the sake, which means they're also responsible for the people mm. um, and the management of the people um, and training and cultivating um, the people that are working there and making the sake. At the same time, they're responsible for running a small business that mm. may have been going for 100, 200, 300 years, right. you know, um, that is in most cases not in the best state financially. Mm. Um, and have, they've never been in the position of having to communicate their product and actually go out and sell their product. Right. Um, and so that is a whole lot to ask of any individual, and especially under the circumstances under which a lot of the brewing is happening. And so mm. hopefully by getting in and getting involved to be able to then be able to offer more useful proposals for mm. the brewer that I was working with, with Kiduizmi, but then as well as with um, other brewers as well too. So that's why, so I work now with, I mean, I work freelance, I guess you could say, with a lot of different um, areas and a lot of different breweries. So Kiduizmi mm. is sort of my local brewery and that's where I was for, several years um, and so I still pop in and help out um, mm. occasionally here and there well that's interesting though that it's such a traditional like it's known for natural fermentation it's really um, uh, established in a way traditional brewery to accept uh non-Japanese looking person <laughs> yeah. because yeah, yeah. You're inside I think you're more Japanese than anybody else in a way but uh, so that's the thing right so because the industry is kind of um yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Drink sorry. water. I, 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 I'm listening. Okay. I'm listening. I'm just sipping some um, some delicious water here. Yeah. So basically, your industry is declining. You need help, and the, the foreign market is the driving force of sake industry. So that's why someone like you um, are becoming like lifesaver in a way. Oh, that's, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, how how much help I've been able to be is, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to, mm. <laughs> it's hard to read that. But I mean, you know, uh, you know, a long time ago when it was, you know, Edo in Tokyo, you know, dictated very much mm. the type of sake that was being made in other regions because that's where the population was, that's where the market was. 
nowadays the market is it's not in japan、mm. i mean it's still very much dictated by tokyo right now because that's the only place you can get a real reasonable price for the、mm. you know for the、um, level of quality product that's being made、um, but the next edo is going to be you know it's going to be overseas because that's、mm. where the, the next market is and so Whether or not you have to make something to cater to that market, that's a whole nother、right. you know,、um, conversation. And there's a lot of ways to look at that and think about that.、Mm. Um, but keeping that in mind is going to be you know, crucial for, you know, the sur- essential for the, the survival of a lot of this,、right. the breweries that are out there. And I heard you also developed sake tourism、uh, programs、yeah. in collaboration with、uh, Japan Sake and Shochi Brewers Association.、Yeah. So that means that that's another opportunity for sake brewers to expand. Their financial、exactly. support,、um, kind of cash flow in a way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, a lot of, and so that's sort of why I try to keep myself、um, outside of, I try to. I try to keep from being 100% sake、mm. because I don't think that the sake industry is in a position to solve all of its problems、mm. or to help it. So it has, you have to be able to have a hand in sort of other types of industry and、mm. um, um, networks and things like that. And so,、um, to, and tourism is an amazing avenue for that、mm. because even though you're talking about sake and sake tourism, it's not just about sake, it's about. The food, it's about、mm. the people, it's about the environment, it's about all the experiences that you can have that can, can tie people to that.、Um, you're not going to get a whole lot of people to travel out to the middle of nowhere to have a glass of sake,、mm. but you can absolutely get people to make the trek out to the middle of nowhere、mm. to be in a beautiful place and meet wonderful people and have a fantastic experience、mm. for a day or two or these other things. That's the type of thing that you can get people exci- really、right. excited about. And, and sake and sake breweries. Um, can be a really, really、um, powerful catalyst, I think,、mm. for that,、um, as far as a tool for that. And it's really and it's easy to communicate.、Um, it's something that is universal. People, people can envision、mm. what a beautiful dinner in the countryside or a walk、right. out in nature and a picnic somewhere in the foothills of the mountains with some sake or something.、Mm. You know, the idea of gathering around food and beverage and these things, that's something that's universal、right. and that people can get excited about. And、mm. so then, how can you? Utilize the, the not just the sake, but the other local resources,、um, mm. whether it be food, whether it be nature,、um, um, and other types of experiences、right. um, that integrate sake.、Um, mm. and so, well, in fact, it's, it's a part of、um, the community, local community, and the culture. It's just a piece of it. And、exactly. you have the whole story through sake. But there are other chapters in the local community. Sake is a big、yeah. one. but Yep, exactly.、Yeah. And that's the other thing. I, I, Really, ask me what I love about sake. And it, the nice thing is, it's really kind of a microcosm、mm. of everything in Japan.、Yeah. <laughs> When you really start distilling it down, it connects to everything. And you can, you know, there you can draw lines and make parallels to just about all the things that people have an interest in, whether, whether it's food or whether it's、um, religion or Zen or these other different things. There's, there's, Parallels and there's a, a relationship to sake in some capacity somewhere.、Mm. Um, and so、um, you can, it can be integrated into anything,、right. you know,、mm. or you can just take it to a dance party. That's cool too. You know, you can,、right. can just be really simple, you know, you、right. can, can run the spectrum from these really deep, you know, rich cultural experiences to just creating a good time,、mm. you know, and so it's very versatile like that.、Um, right.、So. Yeah, and I think、uh, the stories are very important to communicate.、Yeah. And even if 
you know, it's it's food is subjective, food items, whatever goes to your mouth, it's very subjective. But if you need a story to tell, because it's so beautiful yeah. and so inspiring, I think that's the value yeah. that you want to carry. And I think people appreciate it too. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's what's really so exciting and so rewarding mm-hmm. is that to be able to be in a position to be working directly with the people who are making something mm. as well as the people who are going to appreciate it most generally with a lot of the work I'm doing there's nothing in between I'm generally the only person or the only you know entity in the middle of those things so to mm. be able to see firsthand day in and day out how what this person is creating is resonating with you mm. know um, the people that are really looking for that is just that's that's just it just feels too good right. <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, yeah, but you you placed yourself <laughs> in the lucky position, so it's amazing. Yeah, it just worked out. I yeah, <laughs> and so let's step further. That's the Sake on Air. Mm. That's an amazing podcast. Thank you. Yeah. We're still figuring it out, but it's a uh, yeah. Well, I'm a big fan, so let's talk you. about it. Okay. What is Sake on Air? So Sake on Air is a biweekly podcast, um, and it is supported by the um, Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association. That's really the uh, kind of integrative yeah. Uh, organization. Yep. Yeah. Like sort of a, yeah. The sort of a central agency that does a lot of the support for um, breweries and distilleries all around Japan. Um, and basically, so I, it's something I've been talking about doing for a number of years, actually, hmm. um, because I just had been somebody who's taking in podcasts, especially while I was in Japan, just because I didn't have a lot of access to interesting conversations in English just in, in my day-to-day life. And mm. so I was soaking up a lot of information and I started looking at all the communities around different types of podcasts. And there was so many people who were so passionate about these really specific topics. Mm. And there was so much interesting, you know, conversation being generated, um, around all these different shows and I was there's no reason there shouldn't be something about this on sake and I, so I started looking there was there's endless you know shows on wine there's endless shows on food mm. and culinary on beverage of all these different things there was nothing on sake and that seemed like a shame and so um, for a number of years I was just telling everybody I was going, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a podcast on sake mm. Who, who's with me and everybody was like what podcast because podcast isn't really a big thing in Japan it's hard to Not it's, yet, kind of a, right? it's kind of a hard sell to, <laughs> to a lot of Japanese because they can't they can't really envision what it is or what that mm. format is and who's listening to it and through what channels yeah, it's funny right because you can uh, do almost pretty much everything with your phone smartphone yeah. in Japan but there's yeah. a what, what is podcast yeah, it's so yeah. ancient yeah exactly and a lot of the ones that are available there they're just sort of like rehashed versions of Japanese mm. radio and things like that and so um, and I was talking, there's a, who's done all kinds of amazing work to support us, Mr. Shuso Imada, mm. um, he works for, um, JSS, the, um, uh, makers, the Sake Makers Association. So that's um, a studio, right? Location in Toronto, Mon, in Tokyo. So, yeah, so they have a space. It's basically a, they just rebuilt it a couple of years ago. And so the, their offices are upstairs, but then in the first floor, they have a big, um, basically just a tasting room. Mm. Um, and they gather, they um, cycle through different, you know, sake um, lists constantly. And there's always about 100 things mm. on hand that you can just walk in any day of the week, um, weekdays. Um, and go in and try a whole lot of sakes wow. for very, 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 very reasonable prices. And there's all kinds of information. If you have you know questions about wanting to go visit different places around Japan or mm. learn more about sake or whatever, they can provide you with those information. So they already had that there. Um, and so we just kind of did our own makeshift studio. We just started, we 
rounded up a whole bunch of equipment um, and just started, yeah, after hours, just turning that into our mm. into our studio space. And so um, we're still kind of DIY a little bit at the moment. We're still figuring out the the production stuff as we go because we were all it's all we're pretty much all sake people. We're not necessarily all radio people, so we're still mm. kind of learning a bit as we go. But right. it's um, so yeah. you you are the uh, uh, co one with the co host, yeah. and then uh, actually Christopher Piglini. Yeah. Show expert. Yeah. He came here. Yeah. He talked about this yeah, is yeah, show yeah. to passion and everything. Yeah. So it's like you have a very strong staff uh, host. Yeah. And so one thing we really wanted to do is, I mean, there's a lot of, there are so many wonderful, talented people doing amazing work in the world of sake all, mm. all around the world, mm. um, whether it be the US or Europe or Asia or wherever. Um, just, um, and lots of, fantastic sources of information um, and education mm. um, are out there and available. Um, but there's still hardly any information about what's happening in Japan. Mm. Um, and there aren't a lot of channels that provide the context for that. Um, and just in general, people's relationship with food and beverage and things like that. Now, people want to know why. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to dumb things down so much um, mm. and, and you don't have to super simplify everything. You can, you can entrust, you can trust people to be able to make decisions and judgments about mm. things by providing them, you know, information and background and context. And so the idea was, so the people, you know, on the show together with uh, John Gauntner's The Sake Guy, mm. uh, Mr. Christopher Hughes, he's a um, WSET educator. Um, we got a couple of um, um, Sebastian Demont, um, is a French gentleman who does amazing work in sake. Mm. Um, we've, got, we've got a couple of new um, hosts now. Um, N- Rebecca Wilson Lai, um, she does incredible work with um, sake. She's been doing it for many years for movies. Mm. She's in a movie that's coming out, Kampai 2, is coming out here pretty soon. Okay. Um, uh, Marie Nagata, she worked brewing in New Zealand for a while. Mm. Um, just We've got this amazing group of people who have access to pretty much everybody in Japan. Mm. And so we are in a position to mm. get the information and answer the questions that people have. Mm. So as opposed to us playing, being in a, a, a sort of a position of authority of here's the way it is, mm. instead of saying sake is this, it's this, it's this, it's this, here's the definition for this and this, taking the time to sit down for an hour and say, so look, here's what, here's the way this is being presented. Mm. Here's what you commonly see. But you know what? This is out there too. This is out there too. Mm. There are exceptions to this and this. Why does that exist? And just sort of provide context. Right. And the idea is how can we empower the people who are outside of Japan mm. to get the information that they need that resonates with, with them or their clients right. or the people that they're you know educating to or mm. serving to um, so that when they are coming to Japan looking for mm. new things or for new ideas, they can go... So I heard about this thing, mm. you know. Right. You know and so. it's the actual trend that who's only uh, that can be known only insiders who live yeah. in Japan. Yeah, it's plenty in yeah. the, each episode. It's like, oh wow, I didn't know that. I yeah. wish I knew that earlier. Yeah. That kind of thing. Every single episode. Oh, and you. I like like sometimes you guys get a little nerdy, which we, I love. We do occasionally. <laughs> we do. I so said we try to keep it pretty digestible but every now and then we kind yeah. of go down a bit of a rabbit hole yeah so it's for everybody for beginners to like if you really want to it's like nitty-gritty thing oh you get it too yeah, so thank you. but where can we listen to sake on air yeah so we're actually we're just rebuilding the website because 
when we got it started, it was kind of like, okay, we got to get this thing started. So it's pretty much just looks like a blog post from like the late nineties right now. So it's kind of <laughs> embarrassing, but we're rebuilding the website right now. So you can look at sake, just Google. If you just Google sake on air, mm. um, it'll come up up top. Um, you can listen to it online. It's also on, you know, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Apple, Apple, right. yeah, Apple podcasts, um, Google podcasts. Mm. So pretty much whatever, if you're listening to podcasts on something, it's probably on there. Yep. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a subscriber. Thank you. So. Thank you. Yeah, I really highly I really, I really recommend. I think uh, that's really precious, and I hope you're going to keep doing a long time. That's the plan. So, And ideally, we want to make it a resource for people, because even the older content is still relevant to people, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 100 episodes down the road, you know, episode 10, I think, is still going to be interesting and relevant. Right, and right. hopefully it'll just be a pool, just a vast res- um, collection of information and resources for people who want mm. to learn more and to have the context to be able to get ex- help them get excited about sake or further their excitement about sake mm. um, and so yeah we're we've got a few plans in place like i said we got a, we brought a couple more regular hosts on um we're sort of rebuilding the website um we're planning some um events in tokyo um there and sort of some community mm. oriented funding things in the near future so yeah if you want to keep an eye out we should have some announcements here in the next hopefully month or so, so okay so listeners yeah. it's stuck on there yeah, yeah. and so we discussed main activities that you worked on but um to summarize what is a mission you know uh, to <laughs> I so my life is all in Japan now, mm. um, and I'm in the very fortunate position to be able to have access to some of the arguably some of the best food and ingredients in the world, um, and the community of people who are um, creating that. Mm. Um, the no- the number of people who are making those things are diminishing rapidly. Mm. Um, if those people go away, uh, and that knowledge goes away, uh, everyone is going to suffer. <laughs> I mean, mm. I mean, there's, there's a lot to be lost. Right. I mean, for those who don't know, the average age of a lot of farmers in Japan right now is like the early seventies, mm. you know, um, I think it's, it's way up there. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and a lot of the people who are making a lot of these traditional foods and things like that, it's a generation that is not going to be around a whole lot longer mm. and there is not and taking that food and that knowledge and passing that on to the next generation there is not a there are not at least currently in japan there aren't a lot of feasible platforms that can sustain mm. people's livelihoods um to be able to work and, and continue to do that if we can't create that I'm going to suffer. I'm not going to be able to, get, you know, get, and I, I've got, I have two, you know, daughters at home and it's, I want to be able to, mm. you know, raise my children in right. an environment with the type of food that um, has given so much to me and my mm-hmm. life and everybody around me. And right. it's, it truly is possible that, you know, they're young now, but 10, 15 years from now, they just won't have access to those things. They just mm. won't exist. And so, um, of course, for my children, but then for, you know, a lot of other right. families in this younger generation that they will have the opportunity to mm. be able to integrate that into their lives. Because if it goes away, it's hard to get it back. Right. 
I so. really appreciate your hard work. No, you do, we're so. just figuring it out every day as we go. <laughs> so. <laughs> right. Well, that's a good sign. Like right? you keep discovering probably more than you know a majority of Japanese people. So yeah, we rely on you. So. I'll 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 do what I can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, where can we find you? Your updates online. My updates. Um, I mean, yeah, you can look on. I said I don't update all my social media all that often, but if you look, you know, sake on air um, at sake on air on everything. Um, my what is my Instagram is um, crew Jones C R U underscore Jones uh, underscore thirty three. Um, if anybody gets the reference to that, I'll, I'll send you a prize. Um, <laughs> otherwise, yeah, um, um, Potske Productions um, P O T T S um, hyphen. Uh, uh, K, um, and then Productions um, is the small family business that I sort of run with my wife. Mm. Um, there aren't a lot of updates there, but there's more information kind of about what we're doing and sort of the, um, the philosophy behind that. And then there's, you know, social media channels and stuff for that as well, too. So, yeah, if you poke around, we're out there. Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> All right, so listeners, if you have any questions or comments or, you know, what Justin is doing, uh, you can just uh, send us email and japanese at, at heritageradionetwork.org or kikotem.com and if you're interested in taking a koji classes in japan yeah. that's available too so yeah. right all right so thank you for joining us today justin akiko thank you so much well hopefully you'll come back <laughs> i i me too me too it's been a long time since i've been in new york i gotta make this more frequent yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> why not <laughs> all right so uh, listeners uh, japanese is live at 3 3 p.m on mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Engineers, I'm Matt Patterson, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>